uniforms, there's not a sharper uniform than the Marine dress blues when they got that hat on and, and uh and somebody said to Brother Barron's a Navy guy came up to me, he goes, You know the Marines are just a department of the Navy. And Brother Barron said, Yeah, the men's department. Amen. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny personally. <laughs> but I, when I think of when I think of uh, you know, again growing up in the days of television and advertising, uh, how many of you remember the slogans? Remember the recruiting slogans that they had? Hey, I remember the army was be all you could be. Remember that one? And now I think it's Army Strong. That's a good one. Uh, and the Navy was, it's not just a job. It's an adventure. The Air Force was aim high. That's a great one. Aim high. Coast Guard, I don't remember this one too well. I had to look it up. Was born ready. And then what I think probably, if I could say maybe the most well-known out of all the slogans is probably the one for the Marines. Where it says the Marines are. And, or where it said the few, the proud, the Marines. I, I remember those as a, as a young man. And I think of that phrase, a few good men. The, the men just sung that song. A few good men. It's the title of our message today. A few good men. Now, if Mr. Merrill was here, he would say, well, there's none good. Jesus said there's none good. And by the way, when it comes to salvation, he would be 100% right. If you're here today and you think your good works are going to get you to heaven, I have news that you need to hear. None are good enough for heaven. No one is good. Only Jesus was good enough for heaven, and that's why he died on an old rugged cross, becoming sin for sinners so that we could be saved. Amen? But when it comes to the phrase, a good man, I'd like to say this. Through Jesus Christ and through obedience to the Word of God, you can be classified correctly as a good man. And think about it. It says in Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Psalm 112, verse 5 says, a good man showeth favor and lendeth, means he's generous, and guided his affairs with discretion. Proverbs 12, 2. A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. Proverbs 13, 22. Uh, Brother Eric Sammons uh, uh, did this one in our devotion in the deacons meeting. He said, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Proverbs 14, verse 14. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied with himself. Jesus himself said, A good man of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. It's said of Barnabas, one of our characters today, in uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 24. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost. Much people was added unto the Lord because of him. And so uh, thankful. You know what? I'm looking over there. The sound people are going nuts right now. And that's because my lapel mic is. I'll stay local, fellas. I promise. I'll, I'll stay right out here. There's bonus hands up back there. Amen. You never know what the preacher's going to do to you, especially when he's your dad. Amen. Thank you, fellas. By the way, thank you guys for all you do back there. I appreciate you very, very much. And I appreciate our sound, sound fellas, amen. And so for those of you on the live stream, this is what I just said.
Amen? Hallelujah. A good man. In our passage, I should say passages, we have two good men, don't we? Paul, or Saul, and then he becomes Paul, and Barnabas. And so go back to Acts chapter 9, and let's just look at the context of where we are today. Paul would prove himself to be a good man by writing, well, everybody agrees he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Some believe that also he wrote Hebrews, uh, and uh, he certainly was a good man. And of Barnabas, it specifically says in Acts 11.24, he was a good man. So these two good men. We see the conversion of Saul in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. And uh, years ago, I remember uh, one of our Bible college professors, Dr. Charles McNeely, saying, nobody gets saved until God gets their attention. And I believe that 100%. I've, I've dealt with people before with the gospel, and they were off in la-la land, not paying attention at all. And I, Brother Hutchins, I've stopped and give them a gospel track and said, listen, there's nothing more important than what I'm talking to you, but you are not with me right now. You need to read this, and it's serious. And Paul, Saul found out real quick that God was serious. Amen. This light from heaven, he is shined. And by the way, a great verse on the deity of Christ. Those of you that, that there, are, there are denominations that, you know, of course, Jehovah's Witness don't believe Jesus was God. I'll tell you what, Saul hears a voice from heaven, and that voice from heaven says, I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. Remember what he said, Lord, who art thou? And he said, I'm Jesus. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Amen. And so we see the conversion of Saul in verses 1 through 9. Verses 15 and 16, if you look at it there, we see the call of Saul. The call of Saul. And we'll get into the kind of around it, but the Lord said unto him, speaking to Ananias, he said, Go thy way, speaking of Paul, he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles. Remember, the gospel was to the Jew first, right? But God here says specifically, Paul's going to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And to kings. And he would stand in Caesar's house. Felix and Festus, amen. And the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And so... We see the call of Paul here. We see the conversion of, conversion of Saul, the conver call of Saul. We see the care of Saul in verses 10 through 19 by Ananias. I love this passage of Scripture. Listen, try to put yourself, this will help you a lot reading your Bible. Try to put yourself in the midst of the situation. Ananias, God says to Ananias, he calls him by name, Ananias says, I'm here. He said, Ananias, I want you to do something for me. And of course, like a lot of us, forgive me, Gideon's, Gideon's uh, uh, 30,000, you know, yes, sir. I want you to go and put your hands on Saul of Tarsus. Uh, could you repeat that, please? <laughs> You say that again? That's the one that wants to kill all of us that call on your name, right? Just pi picture the, the idea there. Amen? And what does Ananias do? Thank the Lord. He obeys. You ever heard of a, a man named Billy Graham? You know, Billy Graham was reached by 
the preaching of a man named Mordecai Ham. And Mordecai Ham was reached by the preaching of a man named Billy Sunday. And it goes, it goes all the way back to a man named Dwight L. Moody. I think we've all heard of Moody Bible Institute. We've heard of the great ministry of D.L. Moody around the turn of the 20th century. But you know who it really all goes back to? It goes back to a witness named Edward Kimball. You say, well, who's Edward Kimball? He's just somebody who obeyed God and witnessed to D.L. Moody when he was a shoe salesman. He just obeyed God. So the care, we have the care of Saul, the call of Saul, the conversion of Saul. Then in verses 20 through 22, we have the confounding of Saul, or we could say the confounding by Saul. What does he do there in verse uh, 20? It says he preached Christ in the synagogues. And then if you look down to verse 22, it says he increased more in strength and what? Confounded the Jews. They, they couldn't, listen, remember, Saul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He knew the Old Testament, but now he knew Jesus. That all the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. And so he went in the synagogues and they tried to give him Old Testament verses. Paul already knew him. He said, yeah, let me tell you what that means. It's speaking of that one who would come and be our Messiah. He already came. You crucified him on a tree. He confounded the Jews. And then we see the consolation of Saul in verses 23 through 31. I love the passage in verse 25. I've preached on this before uh, where it says the disciples took him by night and let him down the wall in a basket. I preached on a message called hold the rope. Hold the rope. Why? Because there's 14 books of the New Testament in that basket. Amen. Hold the rope. Amen. Well, we need some Christians, some, some few good men there. We just need some Christians. Just hold the rope. Hold the rope for our missionaries. Amen. What does that mean? That means I've got to get my missions offering in there. I've got to pray for them. I've got to uh, help out with missionary Christmas offering. I hold the rope. But it, we see the consolation here. And what happens is, well, if you look at verse 26, it said, When Saul was come to Jerusalem... He essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all what? Afraid. And rightly so. Why? Remember why he came at the beginning of this chapter? He came to hail men and women and put them into prison. So they're afraid. And believe not that he was disciples. But what happens here? Look at verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And what did he do? He, Barnabas told him what Saul had did, what he had seen, all the different things that had happened. And if we could say it this way, ladies and gentlemen, he took up for Saul when Saul really needed him to. And you know what Barnabas means? It means, if you go back, go look at Acts chapter 4. It, you, you, you get the, the definition of the word Barnabas here. His real name is Joseph. We call him Barnabas. Barnabas, or, or Acts chapter 4. In verse 36. 
And what happened here was there were some, some great needs within the early church, and some people came and brought their money and, and laid it at the apostles' feet. It's, I'm telling you, it's not a picture of communism or anything like that. It was just there was a great need, and the church uh, had, there were some folks that could meet that need, and they did. And by the way, that's always the way it is. Some people can meet needs, some people can't. Amen? And uh, he says there in verse 36, And Joseph who by the apostles was surnamed what? Which is being interpreted the son of what? Consolation. You ever had somebody say, that, that guy's a Barnabas. Or that, that lady, boy, she's like a Barnabas. What does that mean? It means they're an encourager. There's somebody that consoles and lifts you up. And Barnabas did that back here in the consolation of Saul. But then in chapter 13, and I'll start our points here in regards to these good men, a few good men. And when I say a few good men, may I just say this? The local church is always in need of a few good men. The local church is always in need of a few good women that, that, can, that will just... But Jesus himself said... Uh, he said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that it will send forth laborers into his harvest. For the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So when I think of these, these few good men here, this, this, this tale of, of Saul and, and Barnabas, let me say this, number one, look at Acts chapter 13. Number one, and, and I've got a D in all my points if you like to keep an outline. Uh, good men, number one, dedicate themselves to be involved in God's work. Good men and good women dedicate themselves to be involved in God's work. And so if you look at Acts chapter 12, we see here the, the, there were prophets in the church, and it gives all the names. that There were teachers, amen, Barnabas and, and Simeon and, and, and Niger, Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean and uh, uh, Saul. And it says, And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And so in verse 3 we said, and when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. And so Barnabas, this good man, we see him involved in the work of God. We see him involved in chapter 4, giving, laying his money at the apostles' feet. In chapter 9, in recommending Saul to the brethren. Here, or in chapter 11, he goes to Antioch because he hears about the great work that's going on there. And again, that's where it says he was uh, full of the Holy Ghost and much people was added unto the Lord. And remember, he, he commended them in their faith. He, he was involved in the work of God and then here being sent out. And of course, the Apostle Paul, you can't miss that he was dedicated to the work of God and all of his missionary journeys in the various books uh, of the New Testament. I want to say this. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, good man. You want to be a good man? Dedicate yourself to be involved in the work of God. God may not send you to the mission field. I will say this, probably he won't. But you can be involved right here in the work of God. Say, what is the work of God, Pastor? The work of God is reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
whether that's on a foreign shore, whether that's putting your missions offering into play, whether that's holding a free Bible out there and sharing the Word of God with somebody, whether that's taking a Christmas invite and inviting people at your work to come to the Christmas program where you know the gospel will be preached, whether that's inviting your neighbors to church. Listen, good men dedicate themselves to be involved in the work of God. By the way, the, the length of that involvement is up to God. But it's up to each of us that would be a good man to say, Lord, here am I. I'll serve you. I'll, I'll sing in the choir. Can't carry a tune in a bucket, but I'll sing in the choir. Amen. Good men dedicate themselves to be involved in the work of God. So these, these Paul, and, Paul and Barnabas were good men. Can I say this just by this point right here? Paul and Barnabas loved each other. They loved God, they loved the Word of God, and they loved the people of God, and they loved the work of God. Amen? They were good men. So between, in chapters 13 and 14, you have what's called the first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas go, and Barnabas' nephew, John Mark, goes with them. And if you look at verse 13 of chapter 13, it's a very important verse, particularly to our topic today. It says, Now when Paul and his company were loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia. So it's telling us where he's go here, and Paphos and Perga and Pamphylia. And then look at the next, the back half of the verse here. It says, And John, departing from them, Return to Jerusalem. Now, there's been much, much written about John. John Mark, he's called. Okay. Whether he quit, whether he was homesick, whether he just didn't have the stuff, maybe he was physically ill. Okay. Whatever reason it was, he came home. Now, by the way, I've known some wonderful missionaries to have to come off the field. Wonderful men and women of God that didn't want to, but had to. And so we see that. But then go with me to Acts chapter 15 at the back half of the chapter where we read. So number one, good men, good women, dedicate themselves to be involved in God's work. I think about this so much so. Number two, if you look at verse 36, good men desire to encourage and edify the people of God. Verse 36, and some days after, so they had finished that first missionary journey, they had come home, there was the Jerusalem Council, if you know the book of Acts, where there were Judaizers that saying the Gentiles need to be circumcised, otherwise they're not really saved, and, and they said, no, 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 salvation is by grace through faith. And so this concludes, and Paul and Barnabas say, hey, Paul says, to, let's, let's go back in those churches that we planted and those Christians that we helped. Let's go back and see how, see how they do. See how we can encourage them. Number two, good men desire to encourage and edify the people of God. Verse 36, and some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. 
Can I tell you this? Good men, good women encourage the people of God within the local church. We all need encouragement from time to time. But I will tell you this. If you get in the habit of being an encourager, you will need encouragement less. Because you will see the needs of other people. And I just love this. Paul, Paul says to Barnum, says, let's, let's go back and be a blessing. Let's just go back and be a blessing and encourage. Remember, these were young churches in a pagan, godless, wicked Roman Empire. These, were, these would be like church plants. Just, hey, let's go back and be a blessing to them. Sure is a blessing when a, a veteran man of God comes through and encourages the church of God. So, good men, good women dedicate themselves to be involved in God's work. Good men, good women desire to, desire to encourage and edify the people of God. Look at verse 36 and 37. Now we're getting into the meat here. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. Remember him? Obviously, he was better or recovered or whatever. But Paul thought it not good to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. So good men dedicate themselves to be involved in God's work. Good men desire to encourage and edify the people of God. Number three, good men can disagree for legitimate reasons. Hmm? Were Paul and, Paul and Barnabas good men? Did they disagree? This disagreement was over John Mark. I like what Graham Scroggy said about this. And I'll, I'll probably read it at the very end, the entire quote, but he said this, Paul was intense and Barnabas was kind. And you know what? You need both. Hmm? Paul said, Mark, quit. Barnabas said, give him a second chance. And you know what? Weren't they both right? Good, listen to me. There's a lot of good men in this room. There's a lot of good women in this room. We don't have to agree about everything. Some things we got to agree about. We got to agree whether Jesus was virgin born or not. We, we got to agree whether he died on the cross and shed his blood. We got to agree whether he was risen bodily from the grave. We got to agree with that. We got, listen, we've got to agree on the word of God. We've got to agree on. But this is one of those times where it shows us that good men can disagree. I have preacher friends that are dear friends. Brother E. Walden, we don't agree on some things. Flat out, we don't agree. If he has me to preach at his church and I know there's an issue we don't agree on, I don't preach on that issue. You say, oh, you're a coward. No, I just love my friend. I don't, unless the God himself leads me to preach on that issue, that's off the table. Little side issue. When did the church start? We used to do that all the time in Bible college. We'd be this crowd over here when the church started. It started when Jesus breathed the Holy Ghost on his disciples. And this crowd over here was started at Pentecost. And I came to the position that it did start. 
Right? We're in it. Amen? I know it started. Just what happens here is some good men disagree for legitimate reasons. But then, look at verse 39. Not only do good men dedicate themselves to be involved in God's work, and good men desire to, be, to encourage and edify the people of God, good men can disagree for legitimate reasons. Look at verse 39. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. Number four, good men can become disagreeable with each other. That's different than disagreeing with each other. Someone had said you need to, and it, it is not a good facet of the social media society of disagreeing with somebody without being disagreeable. Because disagreeable personalities often descend into insults one of another. They became disagreeable. You know why? I've come to a simple conclusion why. Because good men still have flesh. They still have an old nature that rears its ugly head every now and again. And all God's people said, I am shocked after almost 30 years of being saved that my flesh isn't dead yet. <laughs> Usually it's in traffic where I really find out that my flesh isn't dead yet. <laughs> amen. It's just, it's terrible, amen. It's terrible. These good men became disagreeable. These two great personalities that maybe had different policies and different polity, and they let pride get in the way. Because only by pride cometh contention. Proverbs 13, verse said. And there was a lot of contention between these good men. Good men. Paul and Barnabas. Good men dedicate themselves to be involved in God's work. Good men desire to encourage and edify the people of God. Good men can disagree for legitimate reasons. Good men can become disagreeable. How about this one, number five, same verse. Good men divide over small matters and subsequent disputes. They divide. When... And it's in verse 39. It says, The contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. I told the story, I think it was last Sunday night. Um, I mentioned in the, the, the story of the Dossler brothers. The Dossler brothers. Um, they, they were two uh, shoemakers in... Uh, uh, Germany. There were two shoemakers in Germany, and um, they one one was the manufacturer and one was the salesperson, and they were they were just phenomenal. And what happened was during the uh, Jesse Owens wore their shoes when he won the gold medals in in the '36 Berlin Olympics there, and um, <clears throat> what happened was during World War II. 
<clears throat> they were getting in a bomb shelter, there was already a little bit of a disagreement between the, their wives. They didn't get along. And one was already in the bomb shelter, Miss Kim, and the other family was coming into the bomb shelter. And when they opened the door, they, they heard the American bombers going over. And the ones that were in the shelter, the one began to curse and said, you know, here they come again. And he meant the American bombers. But the other brother and his wife took offense, thinking that they meant them as they were getting in the bomb shelter. And this created a lifelong dispute where they no longer could work together as shoe manufacturers. And so one took his company, one, one was named Ruda Dossler, and he founded a company called Puma Shoes. And then Adi Dossler founded Adidas, which a lot of people still wear. And the town that the factory, now they had two factories in this town. The town became known as the town of bent necks, Mario, because before somebody would talk to you, they had to look down and see what kind of shoes you were wearing to see if they could talk to you. And literally, when those two brothers were buried, they were buried in the same cemetery, and they were buried as far away from each other as possible. I want to tell you something. That's a, it's, it's an amazing story. It's a silly story, but forgive me. I've seen Christians divide over much less. And I, I've had people try to convince me that, you know, Paul and Barnabas, they thought this through and they prayed this through. I, I will not buy that. That word contention and sharp is there twice. Same Greek word there. And it means there was, a, there was an argument. There was a knockdown drag out. You know, I learned a long time ago, my dad taught me. He said, son, you're going to make a lot of mistakes in this life. But the best learning you will ever do is from other people's mistakes. Hmm? I'm telling you, I don't think Paul and Barnabas got it right here. They divided over a small matter. When pride does its dirty work, and good men are convinced of the rightness of their position, no matter how wrong their spirit is, they split. They part company when they didn't have to. One of the hardest parts of pastoring is watching people walk out that door and not come back. One of the hardest parts. There's been a few times where I've parted with a handshake, but most times I don't even get a phone call. I just miss that person. They're not here anymore. And a few weeks later, somebody says, where's so-and-so? Divide. Good men can divide over small matters and subsequent disputes. But here's something very interesting. If you look at verse 39 and 40, contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. By the way, it tells us here that the brethren took Paul's side. They took Paul's side in this, this matter, this dispute. They recommended, doesn't say they recommended Barnabas and Mark. But here's the interesting part, number six. 
good men can double their efforts by the grace of God. Isn't that the neat part of this story when you think about it? Here's these two guys that couldn't get along. Two good men. And all God did was double his missionary efforts. Barnabas and Mark went this way, and Paul and Silas went this way, and the gospel went all over. You know, a verse you need to remember. You'll need this verse. Some of you need this verse right now. Romans 8.28. All things. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. That certainly would have been Paul and Barnabas. They did love God. They just got to the point where you ever, you ever had a, a Christian brother where you know you love him, but you don't like him very much? <laughs> Hopefully they're not sitting next to you today, amen? You're like, everybody's afraid to look side to side now, amen? No, God doubled his efforts. I call this, this is God's multiplication, even though man did some division. Huh? All things work together for good. doesn't say all things are good. I don't think, I don't think the... I don't think the contention was good. I don't think it was. I've been in, I've been in church a few times where there was some contention amongst brethren. It's, it's tough. It, make, it makes church, ugh. Remember I had somebody say to me one time, boy, pastor, I just don't enjoy coming to church. It was just a tough time for our church. So I just really don't enjoy coming to church very much during this time. And I wanted to say, me neither, you know, but it is what it is, amen. You know, the lastly, let me, let me give you the points again here, and I'll give you the applications. Good men dedicate themselves to be involved in God's work. Good men desire to encourage and edify the people of God. Good men can disagree for legitimate reasons. Good men can become disagreeable. Good men can divide over small matters and subsequent disputes. Good, good men can double their efforts by the grace of God. And good men can display humility over time. You don't have to go there, but you can, if you're taking notes, you can write down 2 Timothy 4.11. Paul, as he was getting ready to go to be martyred at the hands of Rome, you know what he said? He said, take Mark, for he's profitable for the ministry. Time had showed Paul that John Mark wasn't a quitter, like he thought. And I, I've, I've said this before, I, I could be wrong on this, I can't step away from the microphone because I don't have my lapel here, but I think that that was Paul saying, I, I, I got that one wrong. You know, beware of somebody who never admits they're wrong. Beware of somebody that never says, I'm sorry. I, boy, I, I, I messed that up. You know, I've, I've told my kids, I've told my wife before, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry I spoke to you that way. Sorry I was, I was harsh. You know, good men can display humility over time. What are some applications that we can look at here? We're right on time here. No, application number one, remember this. This will help you. The best of men are men at best. Paul and Barnabas, they're, they're just men. They're not God Almighty. They, they served him. They loved him. They loved each other. But the, the best of men are men at best. You know what? That friend that you have, that you depend on, he may fail you. He may fail. I wouldn't say this, he may fail. He will fail. The best of men are men at best. Number two, many poor decisions are made in anger. 
You know who I always think of, Brother Ewald? When I think of one of the, the worst decisions I have ever read about is when Nebuchadnezzar heated the furnace seven times hotter. And then he said, you know, remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezra, they wouldn't, they wouldn't bow, bend, or budge, and they said, even if we burn, we'll be fine. Remember what Nebuchadnezzar did? He heated up that furnace, and he commanded the best of his soldiers to throw them in. You remember what happened? They died. He lost all the best of his soldiers, and nothing bad happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was a bad decision. Made in anger. Boy, I think about anger. I just did some devotions out of Proverbs for my boys about anger. I said anger is like natural gas. It needs to be harnessed, otherwise it can explode. But if you harness it, you can heat the whole house. Same thing with anger. You turn it into something positive. Many poor decisions are made in anger. Number three. I think of the contention here, the, these good men. Can I just advise you to consider others in your decisions and the way you speak to people? Consider others. Let brotherly love continue, Hebrews 13, verse 1. Romans 12, 18, I love that verse. As much as it be possible, or as much as lies within you, if it be possible, live peaceably with all men. By the way, it tells us that it's not always possible. That's why God put the if there. How about Philippians or Ephesians 4.3? It says endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It means it takes work when you're dealing with others. Because why? We're going to rub each other the wrong way occasionally. There's going to be some friction. Consider others. Number four. I love this one. This one encourages me. Good men can be right and yet wrong. Huh? I love uh, that, that passage, of that, that part of Fiddler on the Roof when they're, they're talking and, and they, they, all the old men are talking and, and this young man comes over, this young Cossack, he says, he said, you can't, you can't, uh, you know, I can't, I can't, the old man said, I can't change the world. And then the young man comes over, he says, he, and, and the Tevia says, he's right. And then the young man comes over, he says, you can't bury your head to what's going on in the world. And he goes, he's right. And then one guy says, he's right and he's right. They can't both be right. And Tevye looks at him and says, you know you're also right. Amen. I, I like that. Amen. <laughs> hey, you know what? We, we, can, we can be right in doctrine and have a wrong spirit. We can have a right spirit and be wrong in doctrine. Good men can be right and yet wrong. Remember that. How about this one? I, I think about this one. Application. Good men can forget kindnesses in anger. Remember, listen, when somebody does something for me, I, and again, I, I really try to work at writing handwritten thank you notes and stuff, teaching my children how to do that stuff. But I, I, I got a long memory. I want to, anyway, have a long memory towards kindness. Paul would never have gone into the ministry if it weren't for Barnabas's recommendation back there in Acts chapter 9. Huh? And all of a sudden he said, enough of you. I'm taking Silas. We're going. You take, take Mark if you want to, but I'm, 
Like literally, he forgot that it was Barnabas. And if you don't think that happens inside of a church, inside of the church, you're mistaken. People forget kindnesses in anger. I think about this one. Remember the best of men are men at best. Many poor decisions are made in anger. Consider others. Good men can be right and yet wrong. Good men can forget the kindnesses of others in anger. Good men fail. I'll give you three examples. John Mark. He failed. Whatever his failure was, we don't know what it was. He failed. He quit, went home. But you know who else failed? Paul and Barnabas. They failed in dealing with each other properly. Good men fail. You know what? You're going to fail. It doesn't mean you're not a good man, sir. Ma'am, it doesn't mean you're not a good woman just because you fail. Good people fail. It just means we live in a fallen world where failure is part of life. But you know what? I love this. Good men can still serve God after a failure. That's what Paul said about John Mark. And Paul went and Barnabas went too. They just kept serving God. After this regrettable incident, each kept going for God. Can I say this? And I'll close with a passage from, from Graham Scroggie here. Good men are not your enemies. They're good men. The devil is our enemy. He loves to divide good men on the most minuscule of issues. Listen, we're, we're not talking about fundamentals here. We're not even talking about philosophy things that we might divide over. We're talking about small matters where you need to be able to look at that person and say, you know what, in your heart, you need to say, that's a good man right there. I don't need to make a mountain out of a molehill. We're good at that. We're good at that. Listen, we need, we, forgive me, we need every good man we can get. We need every good, woman, every good woman we can get on our team. Graham Scroggie, a great writer, he pastored Spurgeon's church during World War II. And he wrote about this passage between Paul and Barnabas and just a devotional, and I, I want to read it in its entirety. It's so good. It's so thought-provoking. It says, and now when Paul proposed a second journey, Barnabas, a cousin of Mark's, suggested that he should again accompany them. Paul, however, would not have it. And there was a sharp contention, an angry dispute, a paroxysm is the Greek word, between them. This resulted in their parting company, Barnabas taking Mark and going to Cyprus, and Paul, and Paul taking Silas and going into Galatia. The question will inevitably arise at this point, which of these two good and great men was right, and which was wrong in this dispute? Observation, if not experience, teaches us that in affairs of this sort, Rarely is one of the parties altogether wrong, and rarely is the other altogether right. 
Generally, a measure of blame attaches to each, and generally, each is contending for a principle it will sow in this case at any rate. Paul owed much to Barnabas, and Barnabas owed much to Paul. And surely they could have come to some amicable decision on this matter without quarreling and separating. Each was contending for something that was worthy. Paul would have Mark to know that the work of the Lord must not be treated that way. And Barnabas, who did not condone Mark's action, would give the young man a chance to retrieve his character. Both of these purposes are worthy. Paul was intense, and Barnabas was kind. And each carried his virtue beyond the line of virtue. That is a tremendous statement about this incident. There are times when the Barnabas-like should be severe. And there are times when the Paul-like should be tender. No young man should be turned down for one mistake. There was good stuff in Mark, as subsequent events showed. Christosom says that this strife was of great service to Mark, for the sternness of Paul brought a change in his mind, while the kindness of Barnabas suffered him not to feel abandoned. He made good at the last, and Paul was reconciled, saying, Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. As we take leave of this story, let us resolve that our tenderness shall not degenerate into softness, nor our severity into harshness. And all God's people said, we need a few good men. We need a few good men. Few good men dedicate themselves to be involved in God's work. Desire to be an encouragement to the people of God. Can disagree for legitimate reasons. Can become disagreeable. Can divide over small matters and subsequent disputes. Can double their efforts and can display humility. If you're a good man, we need you. We need you. I don't think we need to split over every last hair. Let's remember that the best of men are men at best. Let's remember many poor decisions are made in anger. Let's remember to consider others. Let's remember that good men can be right and yet wrong. And by the way, that's for you to say to yourself, sir. Well, that guy's right and he's wrong. No. <laughs> no, I found myself, Miss Judy, many times I thought, you know, my position is right, but my disposition is wrong. Good men can forget kindnesses in anger. Good men fail. Good men can still serve God after they feel fail. And good men are not our enemies. They're good men and we need them. Father, we love you. Thank you for your blessings. Oh, Lord, help us each individually to strive.